Being a father requires a lot of responsibility and a strong sense of leadership. This comes with a strong sense of discernment and self-awareness because no one can be responsible for someone else or for something else without first having self-awareness. My conversation today is with Tim Ferreira of The Discerning Dad. Tim's gonna share what a discerning dad looks like. He's also going to share a truth with us about how a good father and a bad father doesn't just happen. Tim's gonna teach us how we can take God's will and how we can practice that will in our acts of leadership and in fatherhood. Tim will give us some practical applications on how we can practice self-discipline on social media. And Tim shares the power of surrounding yourself with accountability partners and being part of a program larger than yourself. My conversation with Tim Ferreira starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. As you can see behind me, I am not at home right now recording this in my home studio. We are on family vacation. We're on the beautiful Oregon coast. And right now I'm standing at Fort Stevens just off uh, outside of Astoria, Oregon. And it's cool here, man. It, the history here, I love history. And we're loving this time together as a family. But I still want to bring you this amazing episode. This is the Dads Making a Difference podcast. We are here to dedicate ourselves to helping dads make a difference in their families, in their community, and in their business. And so I wanted to come to you today with this amazing interview I did with Tim Ferreira of The Discerning Dad. Tim is also host of the Eyes on Jesus podcast. He is an author. He is a pastor. And yes, he is a discerning dad. I am honored to have him on the show today. If you are new here, this is how this works. We interview amazing men and women on this podcast to inspire you to become a dad making a difference or maybe a mom making a difference if you're listening to this. All I ask is this, that you pass this on, that you pay it forward. If this conversation today brings you value in any way, please hit that share button and share it with someone. Uh, share it on social media. You'll hit on iTunes, share, and it'll give you all the options. While you're on iTunes, subscribe. I would hate for you to miss out on an upcoming episode and rate and review. Ratings and reviews help us gain traction so that we can reach more men and impact more families' lives. Thank you for being here. We are gonna get into my conversation with Tim Ferreira. And if you wanna learn how to make better decisions in your life, and in your family and for your family and how you can be a discerning dad and leader in your home, then this episode is for you. My conversation with Tim Ferreira starts right now. Tim, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Cam, how are you doing? Good to see you. I love, uh, thank you for having me on. I love that you have this new podcast. I love what you're doing for dads and and their bods <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you know we're excited about the launch it's uh we're recording this a few days before we go live and i appreciate you taking the time to be a part of this with us you know dad's making a difference is something that 
been excited about for some time. And, you know, you and I connected a while back when I did a podcast on fight the dad bot, you know, and, and nutrition and fitness. And it's amazing to how that has evolved into today and that we are speaking today on the dad's making difference podcast, uh, because you yourself have been podcasting for a while. Uh, the name of your podcast, the discerning dad, well, you founded the discerning dad, but yeah. tell us a little bit about, uh, your podcast as well. Yeah, it started off as Everyday Discernment. I did two seasons of that and I switched it to, it's now called the Eyes on Jesus podcast. And I started because I wrote a book. I started Discerning Dad, which is kind of my ministry oversight. And then I uh, started blogging, started my book, which was called Everyday Discernment. And then recently I just came out with a devotional called Eyes on Jesus. So I just pivoted a little bit, still the same focus of how do we make decisions every day that honor God? How do we keep our eyes on him amid all the distractions of this life? Yeah, excellent. I'm looking forward to uh, diving into that a little bit more. Why don't, Tim, why don't you share with us a little bit kind of your background? Because I know you're in ministry and you're a pastor, but you've had some other things in your experience that have helped shape you into the man that you are today in our conversations about being a dad making difference. And you've got kids. Yeah. And so uh, why don't you share a little bit about your story? Yeah, I'd love to. So I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor and funny, my wife's dad is a, was a pastor too. And so we we grew up as church kids and pastor's kids usually get the stigma of you're either really holy or you're really not holy. And so I kind of felt like I treaded the middle there for a long time. You know, I had a college college years where I didn't really lose my faith, but just kind of going through the motions, you know, getting my degree. Uh, I, right out of the bat, I worked in retail and managing retail for, uh, turned out to be many, many years, which I didn't think would be. It was just a high school job at the time. But once I got my degree and, and went through that, I just kind of stayed. They never really gave me a reason to leave. I toyed with the idea of being a pastor, even in college, but just never really felt called or motivated to go through seminary and stuff like that. And so I was just in the business world, going through the motions, uh, was was fairly successful. I would like to think, you know, flipped a bunch of stores from, from poor performing to high performing, uh, went across, you know, the state of Arizona and in probably a dozen different stores. And so um, that for me really just came to a head in the last few years where God was calling me to full-time ministry. And so I started blogging, I started writing books, I started doing things which kind of prepared me for what I'm doing now, but I didn't really see it at the time. I was just kind of doing it because I felt called to. And sure enough, uh, once, you know, a year like 2020 happened with working in retail, it really became stressful to the point where I was like, I can't do this for another 20 years. And just pursuing God and hearing his voice really opened doors for me to be able to step through to full-time ministry in an executive pastor role, which is business related. I think of it like the chief chief operating uh, officer of a company uh, where I'm focused on the finances and the staff and uh, kind of the direction and the boots on the ground of the vision of the church where our senior pastor is more of the visionary, the preacher, that kind of stuff. And so we complement each other really well. Um, and so that's been awesome for me just to kind of go on that journey of uh, not you know, losing the the skills that I, I grew up with and learned, but also being able to repurpose them for the kingdom of God and uh, just kind of being able to be faithful through those tough years. Um, I'm also a husband. I've been married 16 years. I have two kids. My son is 13. My daughter is eight. And so I uh, really enjoy being with them and spending more time with them definitely now than I ever did uh, when I worked the crazy retail hours. Yeah. Awesome. So you started the discerning dad. Tell us a little bit about the discerning dad and where that came from. 
Yeah, it was really a, a something where I never wanted to podcast or write books or even being ministry. And I got to the point where I was actually going to give up social media altogether. Like literally, I was going to delete the apps and get off of it because I found myself going on there and just being more angry, more uh, frustrated with the world. And God was really calling me back to social media to make a difference. And that really led to one Sunday in particular, I was at church and I really felt just almost a heavenly download left for lack of a better term where uh, to start a ministry called discerning dad. And I, I came home, I wrote in a journal, many pages of visionary notes of what it might look like. And that just was the start of a process. Like I had to go and learn how to blog, how to start a website, all this kind of stuff that I didn't know and hadn't done before. Um, but that was really the start of something that you don't hear very much of, which is discernment. And whenever you take like a spiritual gifts test, you know, I would always rank high in discernment. But when you look at discernment and whenever you search for discernment, you see it in usually one of two areas. You see it in like Catholic church, like Catholic priests talk about it. And in the new age, the new age movement talks about discernment a lot, but not in the terms of God. And so I really wanted to talk about that term in a way of how do we discern God's will for our life? How do we make decisions daily that honor him and put us down a path of blessing in our life? Because we know just from living in this world that if you make bad decisions, you're going to pay for the consequences of those bad decisions. And when you look at humans in general, over the course of generations, they constantly make bad decisions. And you wonder, like, how could we not learn from the mistakes of the past? Why do we keep making the bad decisions over and over again? And there's a lot of issues with that. Obviously, sin is the main issue of why we do what we're not supposed to do and not how we're created to be, but also the fact that we have a manual for this called the Bible. If we just follow it and heed its wisdom, It'll put us down a path that God has for us, which will lead us down a place where it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just carefree, but it will put us down a path where God's for us, where we seek his face above our own platform, our own ministry, our own kingdom, and we seek his will first in his kingdom. Wow. So much to unpack. And, you know, I'm going to go circle back to something you said about social media and how you were almost ready to get rid of it. And yeah. it's amazing how it can be such a connection tool. And over the last five, six years, you know, uh, you and I, I think, you know, connected social media, I think it was almost seven years ago now, but how it has gone from being a tool for connection and this cool sharing opportunity to a polarizing factor in the narrative that we see in society. Um, I was, I've been there too, man, wanting to get rid of the apps and you realize, no, like if I use this responsibly, will I be able to, you know, keep it, manage it, you know, behave with it, th those types of things. What have you found, you know, since that time where you're like, I'm getting rid of this um, to now you, you can use it as a tool for outreach. What shift happened uh, for you? What mindset shift happened for you when you're using, you know, technology, social media and connection? Yeah. That's a great question because I'm still in the process where some days I feel like I'm on there more than I should be. Um, I started putting apps on my phone, which kind of monitored my time on certain apps because you just get in the cycle of flick, 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 check the next thing out. And an hour goes by and you're like, what did I just do this past hour? The scrolling. And, yeah. And so uh, I think there's still a balance to be had. And I've, I, I think it's really a personal decision. If you feel called to, to delete those things, more power to you. If you feel called back to it 
find a way to do it with discernment. I actually have a chapter in my book, Everyday Discernment, discernment on social media, because it's now a thing we have to think about. You never had social media growing up. You know, when we grew up, you didn't have basically the internet, let alone social media. And so this is still a newer concept for humanity. And I don't think there's enough data out there for how it impacts us. But for your own life, look at what, how do you feel after being on there? Is it something that's edifying you? Why are you on there? Ask the question, why? Is it to connect with old friends? Is it to look at things you're not supposed to? Is it mm -hmm. to just kind of kill the time because you don't want to face the realities of this life? Um, and so those are tough questions that I think that we have to ask ourselves. And then from there, we can put things in place. We can have accountability partners. We can put tools in place. You know, for me personally, uh, especially since COVID, I deleted, I, I stopped following news sites on Facebook. So when I do get on Facebook, I see updates from friends, but I don't see any news sites. I look at the news probably in the morning to make sure the world hasn't blown up. And then I don't look at it again because, uh, and I, I know, I know people that are like this. They just watch the news all, almost all day long. And then they have this sense of hopelessness. They have this sense where there's no peace in their life and watching the news will do that. And so yeah. that's just one example of being on social media where you really have to just analyze yourself and say, how do I feel after being on there? What is my motivation for being on there? And then just have those tough conversations and put a plan in place to limit your approach. Yeah, I love putting the plan, the plan in place, you know, such a good strategy. You mentioned using apps to limit time. You know, we talk a lot about on this podcast, things like setting habits and creating space and being disciplined. Um, back to you sharing about what being a, a discerning dad is, you know, people hear discernment and you mentioned is making decisions through a lens. Would this be the decision that would lead me closer to God? Yeah. Uh, Break it down for me. What does a discerning dad look like? Um, kind of a day-to-day -day plan when, you know, there's guys listening to this podcast right now who might like, I'm not quite sure what he means by discernment. Yeah. Uh, can you map it out for us? What does it look like? Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be, dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Yeah, I call discernment spirit-infused decision-making. So it's not just decision-making with my own intuition, my own history, my own past, my own, uh, my own filter that I put onto it, but it's actually looking at, in this moment, what should I do? What would God want me to do? What would my wife want me to do in this moment? And looking through different lens than our own to make decisions that will put us down that path of blessing I talked about. And I, I think, too, when we talk about uh, 
I, I like to think of discernment almost as like the matrix when those bullets are coming and the, the moment is paused and you know, yeah. to like, you know, lean back and kind of let the bullets fly by you. The same thing happens in our life. You know, the kid's acting up and in the moment you want to just react. But if you just stop and think about it and say, okay, let's think five steps in advance. Let's mm -hmm. think the next 10 steps in advance. What would that look like if I react in a way that is just anger filled well, then my child's going to escalate. They're going to get angrier. My other kids are going to see it. My wife's going to come downstairs and be like, what is going on? I'm not going to set the right model in the home of what I expect from my kids. I'm just going to lash out and tell them not to get angry, but I'm showing them anger. Like all those things you can think about in a small pan a span of maybe 20, 30 seconds, especially if you have the spirit of God inside of you and you're letting him do those decisions for you to not just react in our flesh. And so I think a discerning dad will look at, you know, not reacting in the heat of the moment, strategically thinking about decisions in their life. What path is that putting you and your family on? Are you living generously? Are you living above your means or within your means? And regardless of how much money you have, having a spirit of generosity, dying to yourself, putting other needs above yours, serving your family and your wife and others, um, and, and above all, putting God first in the whole mix. I think that selfish nature we all have, as a dad especially, you have to die to because um, without doing that, you're just uh, putting your, your kids and your wife at risk uh, of not caring for their needs and uh, setting that poor model. I love it. So, you just shared, I'm trying to count as you're saying them, that's eight to 10 ways or steps to take to become, you know, a dad in your home that is the discerning leader. And we're going to talk about that because I know you're passionate about having dads become discerning leaders in their home. And so yeah. you just shared eight to 10 ways to do that. What is these, what would you recommend is the starting point, the first step? That is a good question because I don't want to make it seem like this is just a 10 step program, a yeah. five step program. Like just yeah. do, just do these three things and your life's going to be perfect. Like I never want to, uh, cause being a dad is hard. It is hard work. It is something that, but like anything that takes perseverance and anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. Right. So just like, you know, if you go work out, if you uh, want to be good at, at, at a job, uh, or if you want to learn a skill, like you have to put effort into it in order to see the fruit of it later on. And so just like being a dad, right, you, you're going to get things wrong, you're going to mess up. But I think being on a podcast like this, or having a podcast, whoever's listening to this podcast shows that they're eager to learn shows that they're not content with just, I'm going to do it this way, because my father did it this way, and his father did it this way. But I actually want to learn how to improve. I think that's really the first step is to be in a, a state where I don't have all the answers and I'm going to seek wisdom from other sources. I think the Bible is obviously our first source of wisdom. We have other relationships we can build with people, podcasts we can listen to, books we can read that can help put us on a path. Because like I said, being a father, uh, I remember when my son was born, my, my, my first child, I remember the feeling of looking at him in the hospital and realizing I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe most fathers feel that way, but for me especially. Yeah. And I had a great father, and I wasn't I wasn't a young father. I was in my mid twenties. I had a, I was I was stable financially, but I still had the feeling of I don't know what I'm doing. I have this young life now that is that I'm responsible for, and that's a a, a strong feeling, but something we 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 obviously take seriously when we uh, are in a state of trying to learn how to be better. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you shared that little bit of the story. I was in the vehicle with my son coming back from baseball uh, the other night, Wednesday evening. And he said, he had asked that a question. Like we drove by the hospital where he was born. He said, what's that building? I said, oh, that's a hospital, man, where you were born. He said, cool. And it was quiet for about five minutes. And he said, dad, did you cry when I was born? Oh. I was like, hey, great, great question, <laughs> little man. Like, where did that question come from? He's like, well, I wondered if mom cried, but she said she cried because she was happy. Mm. Did you cry when I was born? I said, absolutely. I cried because I was happy and I was a little bit nervous. And he looked at my son, seven. He's like, you're nervous? I was like, <laughs> buddy, you were like this big. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing, but like, you're this big, you're not very big. And I was responsible for you. And I was yeah. super excited, but I wasn't sure what to do. But <laughs> how have I done so far? He just kind of looked at me from the backseat, little glance. He's like, you're doing okay. <laughs> you know, like a little sassy. But yeah. you know, that feeling, if you anybody who's listened to this who's a father, you know, when you your child is born, you look like so excited, the the elation in that moment, and then it hits you. It's like this is real. I am responsible for this little human being. Oh, here we go. And yeah. so, no, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really cool. And I think it's important to, to emphasize what you said about this isn't a, a 10 step program. This is, yeah. this is a process of entering with saying, not knowing there's power, not knowing. I say that lots in our interviews. I, <laughs> I truly believe it. There, there's true leadership and power, not knowing, yeah. um, but asking questions and learning and being open to, you know, seek out answers. Uh, you know, how does a man, you, you share those steps, not steps like a 10 step program, but you, those, yeah. those keys. How does a man really become a discerning leader in his home? Yeah, uh, I think when you, you're leading your children, you're, you're leading your wife, you're, you might be a leader at work. And, and so there's a lot of responsibility and I, I, I felt the weight and I still feel the weight of just providing alone, being a provider, right? If you're the, if you're the only breadwinner, if it's, if it's shared either way, you, you feel that weight as a husband to provide. Um, and so leading your home takes getting ahead of the issues, right? Not waiting for your wife to do it. Um, and it's not that she won't sometimes take the lead in, in, in areas that she's skilled in. But my point is like being the spiritual head of your family means that, you won't wait for a problem to come and then start praying. You won't wait for your wife to say, Hey, we haven't had a, we haven't read the Bible together in like a month. Um, but you'll actually be the one saying like, all right, I know everyone's tired. Let's read a devotional for 15 minutes and pray. Um, let's make sure that we give God our best. We are going to Sunday church. We are going to church this week. You know, we're not going to give up that because the football game's on. Um, being a discerning leader, I think spiritually is the first step. And from that, uh, just like, you know, a, a triangle from that flows all these other things that oftentimes we look at the problems, which are a few steps down the pipeline instead of the root issue, which a lot of times is our heart posture towards God, which mm -hmm. You know, if if we're someone just like a leader at work, if the leader's healthy, people will look at him or her and say, I want to follow that person. Uh, and just like a, a husband in the home, if the husband is healthy and in front of the battle, like saying, come on, not just a general from the bunker saying go, but a leader that's saying, come follow me. This is the path to victory. Uh, 
you have the, you know, your, your wife will respect you. Your kids will look at you because one day they'll be the leader of their house. You know, that your, your, your kids, your, your daughters will know who to pick for a husband. I mean, all these things will flow from being that intentional. And I'm reading a book right now called the intentional father. I highly recommend it. It's from John Tyson. And he talks about, uh, the fact of intentionality, how a good father does not just happen. Uh, A bad father can just happen. But a good father does not just happen because you have to be intentional with the steps that you take to get there. Just like a good marriage, right? A good marriage takes work. It takes perseverance through the the good and the bad. A bad marriage can happen because at the first sign of problems, you're like, I'm done. I give up. I quit. Uh, and so perseverance is so key with both our marriages and our, our parenting. What encouragement would you have for a guy um, who's nervous about implementing you know, the family type devotional prayer situations. And I'm going to give, I'm going to frame this for you and tell you the context. You know, I walked away from the church for almost 20 years and it wasn't until my daughter who, you know, she's 10 now, but at the time was just about eight, woke up one Sunday morning and I hadn't been in the church for, yeah, it was like 19 years. I said, are we going to church today? She was in a little dress. And I looked at Kim, (laughs) my wife, I said, yeah, I guess so. And off we went, you know, we had always like, we had read the Bible at bedtime with our kids and we had prayed at our meals um, as things that we did, but it wasn't part of who we were as a family. And so we started going to church and then 2020 happened and our church was, was closed, went online and we're still like really engaged in that. But even as a dad myself, you know, as a guy who grew up in a Christian home, who went to Bible college before moving on to a university, who had that upbringing, coming back to the church three years ago, I'm still uncomfortable with the, okay, everyone, we're going to sit around and read the Bible together, or even to sit with Kim, my wife, and say, hey, let's pray together. Like, these yeah. are things that get me nervous. Like, I'm, I'm stepping outside of myself. So I know if I have that feeling, there are other men listening to this right now who have that same feeling. And yeah. I, I'd really appreciate uh, your insight and feedback on that. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to that question. I'll try to break it down as I'm thinking about it. But the first of all, with church, right? Uh, I, I don't think we should forsake the gathering as Hebrew 10, 25 says, you know, uh, a year like 2020 caused a lot of interesting factors in that where we had to go to online in many cases. And uh, at the bottom line, church is not about a building, right? And so as long as you're meeting with with other believers, even if it's a home church, um, you know, being in accountability with other people is important. You know, it, it's it's something where we can, as iron sharpens iron, as 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 men sharpen each other, and being in accountability groups. Uh, and that's one thing in my life. I didn't think I needed that for many years. I was like, I'm good. I have acquaintances at church. I don't need an accountability group group where I'm just going to sing kumbaya with other guys and cry. And so, really, uh, you know, once I started it, though, when we we meet once a month, we still do it. We just talk about what's going on with our with spiritually. At, at, in our in our family at work um and we do that once a month we it's just a place to air grievances in a private context there's a lot of power in that and and back to your question of what do we do to start these things and uh, a lot of times it's just like ripping off a band-aid where it's painful at first it's awkward at first but you do it because you know it's good for you eating healthy is not easy as you know it's not something <laughs> like i would rather choose fries any day of the week and ice cream but you do what is good for you because of the results you want down the road. And the same thing spiritually is that we did a marriage uh, group together, my wife and I, Jamie, and, and 
we made every couple in there is about 12 to 15 couples. We made them in one of the sessions, pray with their spouse, look at them in the eye, pray with them. And it's amazing, first of all, how powerful it was, but also how many people said they've never done that. And they were married 10 plus years sometimes. Yeah. And, and so when you actually force people to do it, they see the benefit of it. And so if some of this sounds awkward to you, it probably will be at first. But if you truly believe in the power of prayer, if you believe in God, if you truly have faith, then do the things you know are going to set you up for success and be that example we talked about to your children. I appreciate you diving into that. Uh, kind of ambushed with that question a little bit, but uh, no, I, I <laughs> appreciate good. you giving thoughts on that. But you mentioned the power of having accountability in, in whether it's in a church or in a group. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the verse from Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. And I think one of the things that I have found most beneficial is finding a group of men outside of church, outside mm -hmm. of my, my, my community to get other perspectives. I'm actually part of a mastermind group called Iron Sharpens Iron. And nice. I happen to be the only Canadian cat in it. And so <laughs> I get made fun of for my accent all the time. But um, I think that's such that can't be overlooked. So if you are listening to this right now, and you don't have a group of men, men who might be a little bit a step or two ahead of you, uh, men who are challenging to do things like Tim just said, and just be awkward for a little bit, uh, if you don't have that, seek that out. Yeah, it's, it's such yeah. a powerful thing. Uh, Tim, how can people seek you out? Where can they find you uh, if they want to connect with you? Yeah, I am at discerning-dad.com is the website. I have blogs on there. You can get my book on Amazon, Everyday Discernment. Also, Eyes on Jesus, which is a 90-day discernment devotional. So if you want to add a devotional to your quiet time, I would encourage you to grab that. Um, I'm on too many social media platforms. I'm on almost all of the ones I know about. So you can find me at Discerning Dad on all of them. Uh, I'm most prevalent on uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, would love to connect with anybody. My DMs are usually open, except I think TikTok doesn't allow you to unless they're friends. So uh, anybody wants to hit me up or have questions, would love to connect with the guys listening. Awesome. And we'll make sure that all Tim's contact information as well, any of the book recommendations that he made are in the show notes. Uh, we're not done yet. I always like to follow up with a couple questions near the end of an interview, just to learn a little bit more about you. All right. Uh, what have you removed from your life lately that has made you a better father? Mm, I love that question. Uh, it's really that going back to the thing of, of figuring out what you need to take off your plate, because too often we pile onto our plate over and over and we have more than we can handle. And before you can take off of your plate, you have to realize, what am I going to keep on there? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I did that in my life with just simple things like sports. Like I followed basketball religiously in the 90s, I had all the trading cards, played the games. Um, and for me, it was one of those things where I just kind of grew out of following sports. Like I'll mm -hmm. catch a finals game or, you know, the Super Bowl. But it was one of those things I wasn't finding joy in. And I have other outlets. Don't get me wrong. Like I play video games, which is kind of like my outlet. But sports was one of those things I would just put on and follow. And I would do fantasy football, but not really care about it and just lose 50 bucks every time it came around because I didn't really, <laughs> you know, put in the effort. And so uh, with that, and also we gave up cable TV, we still have some of the streaming apps and stuff, but uh, TV would just be on, you know, at night for really no good reason. Um, so I'd say those are two things that I removed uh, that I kind of just took for granted for a while there and really had to ask, why are these still in my life? Oh, 
Excellent. Actually, one more real quick too, is uh, my, my phone is the other thing I'm working on. What am I trying to remove is my phone in, in the evenings. Uh, I, that is my biggest struggle right now being that I'm, I, I run social media sites and also for my church now I'm over social media. And so it's constantly dinging. And so I really try to make an effort at night once dinner starts to put it away for two hours where it, you know, my next step is to turn it off completely. But right now it's on a little thing called phone soap that cleans it. So I don't really see it or hear it. Um, and so that's kind of like my next step of what to remove is when I'm, I'm with my children in a, in a key time, like dinner or after dinner stuff is to not have that phone that I'm constantly looking at. I love it, man. I'm going to take on that challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I need to take so on tough. that challenge too. Uh, Tim, what are you most excited about right now in your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about being in full-time ministry, um, especially after having been in, like I said, in retail so long where uh, I don't have to sell toilet paper and, and bleach anymore. I can just focus on using my skills for the kingdom of God and furthering his kingdom and not mine or, or not some Fortune 500 company. Um, and that's exciting for me because there's also many areas in my life that I'm learning, uh, being that I you know, wasn't trained in seminary, uh, but I'm also just kind of taking it, uh, learning from others, learning as I go, and just kind of being humble through the whole thing. What's your biggest area of growth right now that you're focusing on? My biggest area of growth is, I think, uh, dealing with tough conversations with like congregants or people that are upset, you know, in the corporate world, you, you might throw them a coupon or you might kick them out of your store. It's a lot harder in a ministry to actually care for the person, to, to love them through sin and love them through uh, heartbreak. Um, and so that's probably the biggest area I'm trying to grow in. I love it. I love the honesty. And, <laughs> and honestly, like, and this wasn't a tough conversation. I've appreciated our opportunity to connect, uh, to have this conversation. I, I believe that anyone who's listening to this right now and listening to you speak is going to take something away with them that's going to make their life better, uh, that's going to help them make their family's life better. And, you know, we're all about dads making a difference. And awesome. my friend, you are a difference maker and I appreciate you. Thank you again. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.